0: Even later, when she found it difficult to see any good in her husband, Lucy's mother Jane always acknowledged that Tim Blackman had saved their daughter's life. Lucy had been twenty-one months old at the time, cared for by her father and mother in the cottage they rented in a small village in Sussex. Since infancy, she had been stricken with fierce bouts of tonsillitis which drove up her temperature and swelled her throat. Her parents sponged her with water to cool her down, but the fevers lingered, and when one had passed, another would seize hold within a few weeks. One day Tim had come home early from work to help Jane care for the needy child. That night he was awakened by a cry from his wife, who had gone in to look at her. By the time he entered the nursery, Jane was already running downstairs. Lucy was motionless at the bottom of the cot, and she was clammy, Tim said. I picked her out and put her on the floor, and she was turning grey in front of me, just the most sickly, blacky-grey colour. Quite clearly the lifeblood wasn't being pumped round her body. I didn't know what to do. I was cuddling her on the floor and Jane had run down to phone an ambulance. And Lucy was completely quiet, wasn't breathing. I tried to force open her mouth. It was tightly shut, but I forced it open with two hands and held it open with a thumb of one hand and put my fingers in and pulled her tongue forward. I didn't know whether I was doing any good or not, but I did it and then I put her head to one side, and then I breathed into her and then pushed the air out, breathed into her and pushed it out, and she started to breathe on her own again. I was sick with anxiety and worry, and then I saw the pink coming back to her skin, and by that time the ambulance had arrived, and the ambulance blokes were rushing up the tiny weeny stairs, these great big blokes with all this huge noisy kit on, big beefy chaps who were as big as the cottage, and they got their stretcher out and strapped her on and carried her downstairs and put her in the back of the ambulance, and after that she was fine. Lucy had experienced a febrile convulsion, a muscle spasm caused by fever and dehydration that had caused her to swallow her own tongue, blocking off her breathing. A few moments longer and she would have died. "'I knew at that moment that I could not only have one child,' Tim said. "'I knew,' I'd thought about it before when Lucy was born, but at that moment I knew that if anything had happened to her and we didn't have any other children, it would be an absolutely terrible disaster. Lucy had been born on September the 1st, 1978. Her name was from the Latin word for light, and even in adulthood her mother said she craved brightness and illumination and was uncomfortable in the dark, switching on all the bulbs in the house and going to sleep with a lamp turned on in her room. Jane's labor had to be induced, and it lasted sixteen hours. Lucy's head was positioned against her mother's back, a posterior presentation that caused her great pain during the delivery. But the eight-pound baby was healthy, and her parents experienced deep but complicated happiness at the birth of their first child. I was delighted, absolutely delighted, said Jane. But I think when you become a mother, you— I just wanted my mother to be there because I was so proud I'd had a baby. But she wasn't there, so it was sad as well. Jane remembered little but sadness from her own childhood. Her adult life, too, had been marked by clusters of crushing, overwhelming loss, which had bred in her a dry, dark humor, alternately self-deprecating and indignantly defensive. She was in her late forties when I first met her, a thin, attractive woman with short, dark, blonde hair and sharp, vigilant features. Her outfits were tidy and demure. Long, delicate lashes ringed her eyes, but the girlishness that they might have suggested was dispelled by fierce sense of rightness and a scathing intolerance of fools and snobs. Pride and self-pity were at war within Jane. She was like a fox, a stubborn, elegant fox in a navy blue skirt and jacket. Her father had been a manager at the Elstree Film Studios, and she and her younger brother and sister had grown up in the outer London suburbs, a strict and rather drab middle-class life of homework and good table manners and the annual summer holiday in a gusty English seaside resort. When Jane was twelve the family moved to South London. Before her first morning at her new school Jane went in to kiss her mother goodbye and found her asleep after a night of headaches and insomnia. I felt that something awful was going to happen, Jane said, and I said to my father, she's not going to die, is she? And he said, oh no, don't be silly, of course not, and then I came home from school that day and she died.